For years, I didn't think I needed to heal at all. I thought I was fine. Being aware and curious and finding the, the fun and the magic again. Spirituality doesn't have to be just crystals and tarot cards. And you can be spiritual without doing any of the, the so-called spiritual paraphernalia that's, that's out there. It's as easy as looking inward. So I would love people just to start to be curious. It all begins by understanding the mind. I want to be happy now. I don't care about the future. I want to be happy right now. You are not alone. You are never, ever, ever alone in this. It's helped my voice grow and given me freedom to be creative on my own. I'm Christina Barcy. Welcome to Be Bold Begin, a podcast dedicated to you, the creative, the healer, and the innovator. The topics and conversations we have here are designed to help you discover what might be getting in your way and offer you tools, techniques, and guidance to move through them. I live in the imposter's body more than I live in my own body. I don't have to feel like I don't deserve this. This is where creativity and healing intersect. If you decide to be bold and begin, you have the opportunity to feel humbled and empowered. I totally believe that. I'm a certified Kaizen Muse creativity coach, a certified Reiki energy healer, and an entrepreneur, artist, and presenter. I will share with you my experiences, my proven tools and techniques that helped me and my clients and loved ones shift and expand in the areas they most desired. This is a gentle and open space where you will hear how others are being bold to encourage you to begin your own journey or expand the one you're on. This is Be Bold Again. Hi, welcome back. This is Barcy, your host. So something interesting happened these past few months that I'd like to share with you. As I started to accept new guest inquiries for the show, I noticed a trend. The people that were reaching out to me all had something in common. They shared a connection with something more than themselves. And for many of them, their paths shifted as they made this discovery in their own lives and allowed it to guide them towards a higher path, or at least one that was more fulfilling. My guest today also shares this in common with this collection of interesting people, but instead I found her. I was part of a Facebook group of over 10,000 individuals, maybe more, who were all learning how to create digital courses And it was highly suggested that we find an accountability pod in which my imposter syndrome and introversion set in. And I thought to myself, how am I going to find the right group that will have this gentle and encouraging energy that I know that I need? But before I could even finish my thought, there was a post from Lindsay Ryling sharing just enough about herself that I immediately felt connected to her and I knew I had to be in the group she was forming. Thankfully, she responded to me and added me as the fifth member of what I quickly learned was a powerful, highly intuitive and spiritual group of women, which of course, though strangers before this, we all had that in common. This serendipity has become the trend in my life for the past eight months or so. So here's a little more about my guest today, Lindsay Ryling. She calls herself Lindsay the Grateful and says her mission is to normalize spirituality. 
She believes that through connecting with spirit, we can heal our wounds, traumas, losses, and live a healthful life in all aspects. Connecting to spirit connects us to something more. And with that comes a calming inner peace, confidence, and reassurance that we are more than our physical bodies. Lindsay is a spiritual coach and healer, Reiki master, Akashic records reader, master channeler, and mom of three. So welcome, Lindsay. Thank you. That was a good intro. I like that. Oh, thank you so (laughs) much. It's funny when you hear about yourself (laughs) and somebody's telling about you. It's it's always interesting to just hear that feedback and see how it feels when somebody else is saying it felt good. It felt real, true, and like, yeah, that's where I am. That's what I do. This is this is me. So, yeah, I like that. <laughs> I love that. I do love reading people's um, bios or information about them or the things that they do, and it's so empowering to to hear it because we don't. We're so busy doing the thing mm-hmm. usually that. Not often do we get to pause and go, oh, yeah, I did that. I did all of that. And this is where I am. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a good reflection. Yes. Yeah. My first question was actually how you came up with Lindsay the Grateful, which is fits in with what we're talking about. So can you share a little bit about... I love it, by the way. Thanks. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because when I think about when I came up with a name, I think of myself as being in a place where I was very unhealed and was very unaware of the healing I needed to work on. And so at that point in time, I was more aware of gratitude, was becoming more popular, it was talked about a little bit more. And I was actually coming up with a name for my photography company at the time. And I was kind of just doing it on the side with my kids at home and it was a a really good creative outlet for me and so I thought well what do I kind of want to uh, embrace and a lot of times I had heard well you, you use your name because then you can no matter how things change you can always it your your name can always just be there and so I thought about that and I'm like well my last name it's spelt differently than it's pronounced and the E's and the I's always mix people up and so I thought well what is important to me and at that point I was I started keeping a gratitude journal so every night I would write down five things I was grateful for from the day and this I think was just the the starting of me trying to look inward trying to Uh, bolster myself up trying to make myself feel better I think in my skin at that point and I remember trying to think of powerful women and strong women and what that feels like well my mom and I had gone for a girls weekend in the mountains with my two sisters and I had really little kids at the time so they were toddlers at that time so I was you know super mom mode where it was just full on at that point and on the way up in the car with my two sisters and mom I was like you know what I want to get a tattoo <laughs> and, <gasps> and, and I'm like I, never, what I was expecting it right <laughs> I'm like I want to get a tattoo I never have time to get a tattoo I could never just like 
the kids are always with me. I can't just take them to a tattoo parlor. Like, I feel guilty <laughs> taking time away. <laughs> I love this and, so much. And so we have, so we're going, we're driving and, and, uh, so my two sisters are a little bit more, uh, conservative and, and I was like, that would be so cool. We should all get tattoos. And, and I'm like, there's a, <laughs> And, and your so, mom too? Yeah. Oh yeah. And so I'm like, let's all get tattoos. And my one sister was like, well, I promised my daughter that my first tattoo would be with her. And I was like, oh, okay. And then my other sister was like, well, I don't think I should spend that kind of money right now. <laughs> and then my mom was like, I'll do it. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Awesome. And she had never, at that point I had one tattoo already. So I kind of knew what to expect, but she had never had a tattoo before. And so I said, I want to keep on this gratitude train. And so we got, uh, for me, I, on my inner wrist, I have grateful written in my handwriting. So mm. that kind of started it and kept it going because I said, I always want to, I, I feel like I sometimes don't realize what a great life I have and all the things around me that I just take for granted. And I have so much more than than so much of the world and I have a family and love and you know there's so much that we can be grateful for and so I said I always want a reminder of it so I put it on my wrist and my mom got um, in my handwriting in the same sort of style my mom got strength and for her she's a very 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 inner and outer strong woman and very independent very capable if something comes up she's just like well, I'll try it. I, I might not know how to do it, but I'll just do it. I'll try. And she has zero fear of failure. It's it's really kind of amazing. And she'll just wow. tackle any project or anything. So she's she's really cool that way. So at I think at the time she was 63, I think, and it was her first tattoo. So that was really cool that we got that together. So it was kind of in the back of my mind. So then I was like, well, powerful women and grateful and gratitude and then I was like well you kind of hear of like Catherine the Great and you know things like that and I was kind of playing on that and I thought well Lindsay the Grateful I'm like does that you know thinking to myself does that sound too bold or but I'm like well not really because it's a really beautiful thing to be grateful so I I felt like it was softer in that so that's what I named my photography company at the time I'm no longer doing photography except for family and friends and and for fun. But uh, when I started my spiritual business, then I thought, well, this goes perfectly with that because it encompasses, as I've healed over the years and really worked on myself and my inner strength and, and what is most important to me and connecting and my spirituality, Lindsay the Grateful goes perfectly with that, so... That was a long-winded answer for a for a title of a company. <laughs> no, that's a great story. That's wonderful. That's such a wonderful story. It was unexpected and delightful. Yeah, <laughs> I, loved, I loved it, and I loved hearing about your mom. She sounds like such a badass. What a great example to have as a young woman, or yes. any woman, or any person, right? But because yeah. you are her daughter, what a great way to grow up and see someone so important in your life doing things without hesitation and. Yeah. Trying. Trying is so important. Let, let me just try. Yes. Let's see what happens. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's such a beauty in that. And we're, and, uh, it's a struggle for most of us to be able to, again, give ourselves permission to just try something new or, or see and be okay if it doesn't work out. 
Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think that's a, a big thing for a lot of us or most of us throughout our lives and for me raising kids too is that they'll come home and they'll be worried about a test or something that they failed and they're all they're surprised when I when I just kind of laugh and I'm like oh all right well that's funny you just you know the too bad on that one but you know what did you learn from it did you realize where you went wrong did you did you go over it and and what could you have done differently did did you study or maybe you skipped it this time or and I and and then they you know they're usually quite upset about it and and then also I try and put it in perspective for them I said well I've I failed a lot of tests growing up and in my school do you think I still am really upset and do you think it really affects my life the the test that I failed in grade six and they're like no like exactly so let's just move on to the next one. Try and learn from that one to improve on the next one so that you don't make the same mistakes again. And no biggie. And then it's just, I try to just be done with it. And oh I think, I think I try to do that in my life. I know I haven't always <laughs> succeeded about that, but I try and keep it where I'm learning from my kids too, because if I'm teaching them that, where am I holding back or where am I really kicking myself for a failure? That's really not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. Uh, that just makes me want to like exhale. I feel so much relief in the way that you talked about that. And what an amazing way to approach a, a child's emotional experience. And also, you know, this, what we, as kids, it's like, those are the big markers. It's like the stressors are the tests and doing well in school and making you proud and yeah. trying to, to succeed, right? Like whatever that means to any of us really, but exactly. showing them some perspective, that perspective piece is so wonderful and, um, having a conversation with them like that so they can really make their own decisions about what they think happened and, and maybe shift their their feelings it's that that's so cool it's really powerful mm -hmm. thanks yeah. for sharing that yeah. yeah I want to shift a little bit and talk a little more about your specific journey you are writing a memoir another memoir right yeah called one woman's journey or excuse me it's called good spirits in good spirits, and you describe yeah. it oh in good spirits thank yeah. you it's called in good spirits and you describe it as one woman's journey from inner chaos to inner peace mm -hmm. can you share a little bit about what that was what that means for you what was what was feeling chaotic and how did you get to the inner peace yeah so having you know getting married and having babies right away which is what we wanted and, and how we planned it and then somewhere along the way my husband started to really develop an alcoholism addiction and so it was very slow forming. And so for me, I hadn't grown up with anybody who had had any addictions before. There wasn't any in my family that I really knew of, or if they were, they weren't in front of me where I could see or in my immediate family. So I, I didn't understand that at all. So, and with being a wife and a mom at home with with three little ones it can be very overwhelming for all of us and and so I think it it formed into more of a habit for him and kind of you know I made excuses and 
and kind of went, well, you know, he's stressed at work and he's trying to provide for all of us and, and this kind of thing. And, and he was a functional alcoholic. So all of his responsibilities always were taken care of. He was still a really good dad. He was still present for the kids and it just sort of slowly, slowly developed, which I kind of, in my book, I sort of relate it to that Febreze commercial where you go nose blind. <laughs> you get so used to the the status yeah. quo and it happens so slowly that you don't realize until you have a real big step back, you don't realize what's in front of you. I remember thinking to myself, I would never have put up with this or I would never have have gone into a relationship like this if it was like this from the beginning and where you know you think about yourself and where did what what did I do wrong what did where did we go wrong where did he go wrong where you know we're constantly kind of searching and I it got to a point where I kind of thought like well is he bad enough like is it is he a bad enough alcoholic like he's still Mm -hmm. holding a job he's not hurting any of us physically at all it wasn't that he was you know providing for us he would help me cook and clean so it was very confusing and also at one point I remember thinking if he would just hit me I would know he was an alcoholic but that he was just he was not he just does not have that in him he would never do that and so I remember thinking that though because it felt like such a gray area. Like is mm. he is he bad enough? Am I just making this up in my mind? Am I seeing something that's not there? Do you mind me asking you what the red flags were for you? If it was so gradual, like what were you noticing? Um just noticing bottles around, um noticing like hidden bottles um and cups with alcohol in weird spots that were, you know, in a cupboard in the laundry room. And I'd be like, why is that in there? That's strange. And and is that normal? And maybe he was just, you know, just throwing it there because he, whatever. And, and, you know, I'd have a glass of wine at supper or when when he got home from work and, you know, we'd have a drink together. And and then kind of slowly the the drinks got darker where, you Mm -hmm. know, he would say, well, I just had one drink. I'm like, yeah, but that one drink isn't really like one drink. It's, you know, Mm. a lot more alcohol than it was water or whatever the mixer was. The ratio. Yeah. 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 So things like that kept happening. And then we, um, you know, we, we started to kind of broach it a little bit. And because I didn't want to overwhelm him or I didn't want to accuse him of something without... It, it was hard to pinpoint exactly because he was still doing all the right things and he was still there for mm-hmm. us and he was all of that. So for me to talk to him or like come up to him and be like, hey, I think you're an alcoholic or what's your, I think you have a drinking problem. It was kind of like I didn't, I felt like I didn't really have a lot of concrete proof, like exactly how much he was drinking or when or that kind of thing. So it happened really gradual over a number of years. And then it it kind of just came up and, and you know, we kind of would, would try to, I'd try to help him or we'd, he'd say, oh, I'm, okay, I'm going to go off of, you know, I'm not going to drink now and that kind of thing. And then it would kind of come back. And so we kind of roller coastered it 
And all the while, for me, it was, I'd be happy, I'd be fulfilled, everything would be fine if he stopped drinking. Oh, everything yeah. would be perfect. Like, if he would just stop drinking, I would feel totally <laughs> fine. I wouldn't be so passive-aggressive. I wouldn't be so snarky. Uh-huh. I wouldn't be so impatient. I, You know, all the things, right? So, for me, I always just, it was on him. It was on him, 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 him. So then it, you know, it kind of, we, we had a summer where we tried to really work on it together and he quit his job because it was providing him a lot of stress. And, and I thought, well, you know, we're, we're okay for a few months. Why don't we just like take the summer off as a family? Then we can work together if we're, if we're busy and we're doing things together, this, this will help you. And then kind of at the end, I was just like, well, if this doesn't work, then you know what the next step is. And and I said, you know, it's going to be rehab if this doesn't work out because these are the ideal conditions right now. So then it kind of, you know, the summer came and went and at first it was really good and then it, you know, kind of started to creep back because it's, you know, it, alcoholism is, is not, it, it's a brain condition. It affects the chemicals in your brain. So it's not just as easy as when it's that habitual and that instilled for for a number of years it's not that easy just to cold turkey and also it's not safe to just cold turkey it either for a lot of people so then one night it was getting close to the fall and the kids were starting school and and obviously I had, you know, I had caught him drinking again or just smelt it on him and at that point I was just super suspicious all the time and and so then he um, uh, had gone, and he was kind of more in a depressive point at that stage. And and so I had said, okay, to myself, like, that this is it. I have to do something about this. I have to, like, he needs to go to rehab. And before he gets another job, and the kids are going back to school now, this is the perfect time. And I was trying to, like, pump myself up. So I went down and talked to him and said, you're going to rehab. And he agreed. He he nodded and, and realized and he was, you know, this was our rock bottom where it was very heavy and there was just, you know, we, we tried our our way to do it ourselves and it just wasn't enough. And he just needed help. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that, right? Like there's so many different right. things that we need help with. So... I said, okay, I'm going to book you in. I'm going to take you in right away and we're going to do this. And I'm just kind of in, you know, mission mode at that point. And he was just, you know, under the covers and and probably just feeling extremely shameful at that point. And um, something I want to mention now, because I don't want people to get the wrong idea, is that you can't force somebody to go to rehab or to get help. Right. It sounds like I did, but if he wasn't ready and if he didn't agree and choose to do that, then the rehab would never have worked at all. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of want right. to put that caveat in that because for so many years I was, how can I fix my husband? How can I fix him? How can I fix him? Why can't I fix him? Somebody just give him the tools to fix my husband. And I just, you can't, you can't fix another person. They have to choose for themselves to heal. So I just wanted to put that out there that it wasn't me forcing it on. You can't make somebody do that. 
if it was just divine timing that it came to that point and he was ready and I was ready. And so for me, the turning point, I was still in a mode of it's him. If he gets mm-hmm. gets clean and sober, like I'm fine. Like he stops drinking, woo, I'm all good. And he w- went to rehab and, and I was home alone while the kids were at school and I was digging in a box and I thought, okay, I'm going to purge the whole house. I just want to get out this excess heavy energy that's in here, aka any other bottles or anything that I find I need to get out before he comes back. That was my main goal at that point. I didn't want to be reminded of anything because anytime I saw something, I would lose my mind. And so for me, it was a protection thing for me as well and a control thing because I was very micromanage control at that point. And so I um, was cleaning in the kids' toy room. I cranked the tunes and I was in a good space and I'm, oh, I'm going to make the house. It's going to be awesome. Like he'll come back and it'll be, you know, everything will be organized and clean and he won't have to worry about seeing anything and it'll be all, you know, a fresh start for all of us. And I'm going through this one box and I find an empty Mickey in the box of liquor and I flew into a rage like and nobody was around and like I like luckily it was a plastic Mickey I whipped the bottle across the room and it hit the wall and I was sorting through toys at that point so I was throwing toys and I was screaming and kicking and punching the air and I was just like this rage just like burst out of me and then I kind of just collapsed on the floor and was taking these deep breaths and all I could think of was like what the hell was that? What in the hell? Like, what just happened? Like, I was so confused. I'm like, where did that come from? I didn't know I was so angry. I didn't realize that was inside of me. And then all of a sudden, just like this, and now I know it was one of my spirit guides, just kind of came to me and just went, bing, you're not the only one who needs to heal. And then I was like, Oh, and I got goosebumps as I said that this time. And I kind of sat back and I just thought, holy shit. And I remember it like it was almost like a burst of energy. And I like stood up and I was like, holy crap. Holy crap. I need to heal. Oh my God. I need to heal. Like it was like such a like huge thing that I just, it was so obvious, but not. Mm-hmm. From anybody who could have been looking from the outside, they'd be like, well, yeah, of course. But for <laughs> me, it was like, no, not at all. I'm it, fine. <laughs> like, I'm it the landed. Queen of fine. Yeah. And yeah. then I had, once my husband was <laughs> able to talk to me again on the phone and email and stuff, and I said, yeah, I said, I just realized, like, I need to heal as much as you do. And he was like, yeah, I know. I was like, what? He's like, no, we've been talking about this, like at rehab. And, and he's like, and I realized that in yourself, like, he's like, it's, it's both of us. We both need to heal. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to work on my own healing and I want, and I'm going to try and do it as best as I can. And I need you to give 110% while you're there and work on your healing. And I said, once we're at a certain point, of our own journeys, then we come together and work on our marriage and each other as a couple. I said, I can't go there yet. And he said, yeah, 
that sounds good. That sounds like a great idea. And I said, so now is our time to be selfish and do whatever we need to do to heal our own wounds and our own selves and do what, what we need to do for ourselves and our healing. We'll be doing it together once you get home, but we need to do it still individually. And then I said, at a certain point, then we can try and fall back in love again. And then we can work on each other, on our marriage. And I think I didn't realize how profound that was at the time when we were talking about it. But looking back, I realized that it was such a huge thing to do that separately before coming together. I think if we would have pushed too hard to come together too soon when we were still working wounded, then it would have not been as easy not been and it wasn't don't get me wrong it wasn't easy but wouldn't have flowed quite as gracefully if that's the mm-hmm. word um and naturally i um i think it just organically that's the word i was looking for just kind of organically mm-hmm. came to that we didn't have to make a decision like now we're going to work on on us as a couple it just kind of happened naturally when we were both at a certain point and mm-hmm. that for me was the start of my entire healing journey and I had to look at okay what what triggers me and where do I need to go and what do I need to do and and for me the only thing that came to mind at that point was I want to be as selfish as I can this month but at the same time keeping my kids in a very safe loving warm place while dad's away because they knew what was going on. I talked to them about it. I wanted to be very open with them because alcoholism is a very, it's a genetic thing, right? And and I want them to know, and that was another thing that I, I wanted them to know that even as adults, we can struggle. We don't know everything. We can get into trouble, but it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to get it. And I wanted, I really wanted them to learn that and to see that daddy is getting help because he needs it. And it'll be better after and we'll work together and it's okay to get help. So that was a big thing I wanted to instill in them as well. And just make sure that they were were okay and protected as well. But while the kids were at school every day, I was like, if I want to sleep all day, I will sleep all day. If I want to eat chocolate and chips all day, I will do that. If I want to watch movies all day, I will not feel guilty. I'm going to do whatever I feel like doing that day. And I don't care what it is. And then I thought, okay, well, I'm going to do that. So I'm just going to give myself permission to do whatever I want this month. Like, while he's gone, this is my time. This is my start. And so then I thought, well, what else could I do? I thought, well, I think meditation would be good. So I'm going to make time to meditate every day. And I'm going to give myself the grace of saying, hey, I only made it a minute today, but that's okay. I still did it. Or sometimes like at at certain times I went for like an hour because I just felt like I needed it because my mind was just like just so boggled down and overwhelmed and emotions constantly coming up out of nowhere and and releasing and and I would kind of, I would Google, I would say whatever I was feeling that day, if I was feeling angry or I was feeling sad or resentful, I'd be like, meditation for resentfulness <laughs> in Google. And then what would come up, it'd be like, okay, I'll do that one. <laughs> 
Let me ask you real quick. I'm wondering if you've meditated prior to this or if this is how you discovered it. And I'm really curious how that part of your spirituality really played into this this part of your healing and, mm-hmm. and how you ended up transforming your business from photography into what you do now. Yeah, I'd always kind of had a, an interest in, in all the spiritual fun stuff and the cards and the crystals and all of that kind of stuff. All throughout my life, I'd kind of been interested in that. But I'd never really taken it any farther than the odd psychic visit with my sisters or the odd crystal shop. Like a curiosity. Yes, exactly. Before. Like it just felt magical or it felt special or like secret. There was something that I just didn't know. So I kind of, you know, dabbled in it a little bit. And then I had meditated here and there just kind of experimentally before. But when I was young, my brother also, uh, he had passed away of leukemia. And so once he had passed away, then my fear of death went away because he was so present. So his, I could feel his energy. I, he was sending us signs. He came to my mom in a dream. So there was a lot of that spiritual aspect coming How up. How old were you at, at that time? I was 13 and he was 19. So I was the youngest okay. of four. So after that had happened, being terrified of death before he died then realizing like, wow, this, he's so present. I can just, I can feel him. I can sense him. I can see all the signs that it really kind of obliterated that fear of death for me. I didn't want to die, but it was, I wasn't, I wasn't terrified anymore. And so that really kickstarted, like our family would talk a little bit more spiritually. We would kind of talk a little because we never went to church. we never had faith in, in a traditional way. So we would talk more about those things or signs that we saw, that kind of thing. So it kind of been sprinkled throughout my life. And then I had always wanted and had been attracted to Reiki, but I had signed up for a course before my husband um, started his healing. And then the, the class got canceled. And then I signed up for this different one. And then my kids got sick and I couldn't attend. And so it kept just not. And then after he got help, after I was working on my healing and kind of the next summer, 2020, when we were all at home, I could actually go and do this stuff. And my husband was at home. And so I actually had the time. And so then I, then I took all the Reiki courses. I took channeling courses. I took Akashic Records courses. It was just like, it was all coming in because it was so helpful for me. And it felt like, when I took the Akashic Records, I was like, I can work on my own healing myself. I don't need somebody else to do it for me. Like, this is amazing. And and so wow. then I got to a place where I felt really like I had come so far that I wanted to be able to help others. I was like, there's so many people who feel the same way that I do and where I was and where I am now. And I never thought I could be where I was, like where I am now, like a year ago and And so then that kind of triggered the start of wanting to help others and wanting to start a spiritual business and work on energy healing and and just learn, learn, learn and and spread what I knew and what I found out myself trying to figure out my own healing journey. Wow. Thank you for just connecting the dots of how that all kind of came together for you, especially with the personal story of how you kind of ended up in this place of also what sounds like divine timing of mm-hmm. okay now there's like who would have thought that all this space would come out of you separating not separating but yeah. like having separate healing journeys 
and deciding to do that and then him coming back and then you being able to kind of pursue all of these things that you were wanting to do prior. Yeah. I'm wondering how, with all the modalities that you approached, was there, it kind of feels like they built on each other the way that you describe it, but was there one, maybe it was the Akashic Records that you felt was really coming in to, to, to help you the most through this part of the journey? Yeah, like I think the the Reiki and what I've heard a lot of, of people say is that that's kind of the the best start when you're starting out on a spiritual journey is take your Reiki courses and it really opens you up. It really gets that ball rolling when people are starting to be attracted to Reiki and wanting to practice it and then they take it. It's, it's kind of like the, the spiritual starter to like really start to awaken and really push you on your journey. And so then after that, it was recommended to do these channeling courses so that you had that channeling ability before taking the Akashic Records. So it wasn't so oh. difficult and it was more natural and we, you were used to it and practiced. So I, I really um, enjoyed those as well and was really working on that. But my confidence wasn't necessarily there or, you know, the, you, you are skeptical and you question yourself and, you know, it's part of the process. and. And then with the Akashic Records, then once I could go into my own records and I could see where these root causes were from and where these fears and triggers were really hitting home for me and where they had come from and just kind of learning how to sort of dive deep into myself to be like, hey, this really pissed me off. What am I feeling about that? And why is it pissing me off? Where is that actually coming from? Because chances are it's not coming from whatever the situation was. So learning kind of how to do that and to really explore that in myself really took it to a deeper level and really helped me to um, advance myself and, and my spirituality and that. And and then I took some mentorships after that so I could really fine-tune my channeling and really fine-tune my energy healing work. And so they were, you know, six-month programs that I did each individually and Wow. And so, yeah, so I really got deep into that. So I really felt confident in being able to help somebody else because I needed to get through that for myself where I wasn't feeling confident in myself yet to a place where I am now, where I feel really confident that I can help or I really feel confident in the messages that are coming through and being able to relay those, being able to use my energy to clear blocks and and find root causes for other people and help them on their own journey of healing as well. So that's what I do on my one-on-one sessions now is I get their spirit guides come in and give messages and that's kind of the kickoff. And so I relay the messages and then that sort of just gets the ball rolling of where the session needs to go. Because for me, I don't really know where where they're coming from when they first come to me. And then we hear the messages and I go, okay, well, this is what your guides are telling me we need to work on right now. And they usually always kind of say, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I feel right now. And it's like a good validation of where they're at. And then I do some energy healing work on them um, after that as well. And then they can ask questions about their guides and that kind of fun stuff at the end too, if they want, like everyone wants to know what the name of their spirit guide is and all of that kind of fun stuff. And then, yeah. And then I, I morphed into doing group healing, energy healings. So we, um, because it's kind of a, it's a weird thing. I understand that. And I get that because I thought it was weird at first too. 
So with the group energy healings, I decided to anybody who has never done one with me, it will be free for your first time just to kind of experience it because it's it's hard to explain. And so my group energy healings is a group on Zoom and I have a theme. This month's theme is going to be on finance. And so going through different beliefs and things related to finances and I go into everyone's Akashic Records and kind of clear those beliefs that just aren't serving them anymore and will help them to move forward without so many blocks and stagnant energy in them. And and it leaves, sometimes it can, it can really get their ball rolling of really wanting to work on their spirituality and really wanting to dive deeper into their own healing. And sometimes it can just be a beautiful gift of you feel so calm and relaxed and have a great sleep after. And it just really uh, lightens the load for that day. And so the first time is is always free on those ones. And I advertise those on my Facebook group uh, or Facebook page, Lindsay the Grateful. I like that. Um, Just to define a few things for those that maybe have never heard it or heard the word before but don't really know what it is. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's define, well, two things. One, I'd love to know your version of channeling, like what, Mm-hmm. what you channel and I know spirit guides because you mentioned that but maybe telling us a little bit more about what your channeling is and maybe what spirit guides are so people might not know what that's all about and also Akashic Records but if there's a way to kind of simplify yeah I'll what try to be concise <laughs> <laughs> so I'll start with spirit guides spirit guides are Guides, essentially, they are souls, so they have been on earth before, so they kind of understand the ups and downs, feelings and emotions, the challenges. They, they get the human experience. They understand that. Angels and other spirits and things are beings. They could, uh, so they're at a higher level. So they're more literal. They, they can't really relate quite as well to the ups and downs and emotions. Um, as a soul who has actually experienced earth before. And yes, there are angels who have incarnated on earth, but most of them haven't. We won't go into that. <laughs> okay. But your spirit guides, what I kind of essentially say is that there's um, lots of people call them their guardian angels, and that's what they feel like. So they're guides that are with you throughout your life, and they do change. So you can have anywhere from two to oh. six or seven, anywhere in that range at any one given time. You will always have a primary one, and that one will also fluctuate and change as you grow. So I remember when I first started channeling, and when I say channeling, I mean hearing messages from my guides and asking them questions and receiving answers. And there's different ways that we can receive answers, but for me, it's hearing. So some people see, some people smell, some people just have an inner knowing, or they kind of just have a a sense of it. Um, They feel the energy. For me, I can hear the messages. So for me, when I channel, I hear the messages and feelings from the guides telling me certain messages for people, and I write them down. So when I channel, that's, that's kind of what I'm doing. And I can do other people's spirit guides and my own. And I've channeled angels and and different beings and things as well. But your spirit guides, so you could have one for finances, if that's a big thing for you right now. You could have one for career. You could have one, when I was writing my book, it was I had a writing guide. There's a relationship guide. And so you have different ones depending on what is going on for your life at that time. You might have known them in this lifetime. Chances are you didn't know them in this time, but it, it is possible. Lots of times they're from past lives. 
um, that you've had before and they've come back to help you and you've chosen most of them before you came back to earth so that you could they could help you and guide you the best that they can for what lessons and, and things you wanted to learn in this lifetime. So they're the best guides for you. So they are very soft. They are very encouraging. They will never tell you to, you know, that you're bad or they'll never say you're not good enough or they'll never say, you know, oh, you're going to win a million dollars tomorrow or whatever. That's not the energy. They're quite quiet until you tune in and tap into that energy and really feel the love. Those other sorts of voices that we're hearing that are more critical and things, that can be our ego most of the time. So the more that you kind of tap into both, uh, you can start to separate them a lot simpler and and define and really feel the energy of, oh, okay, that's just my ego coming in. Or, no, that's that's actually my guide. Or, oh, actually, that I feel like that's my brother coming in. Um, so that's uh, spirit guides, essentially. And they do shift. So as you learn a lesson, if you come forth and you and you break through, then one will leave and another one will come in to help you with the next phase of your life. So it's they they're uh, transient in that way <laughs> to help you. That's very cool. Yeah, and then a cash. They're kind of like muses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and it's they can have their own personalities. They can be really funny. Uh, some can be very stoic. Some can be rigid if you if that's kind of what you you need at that time. Or some can be just really joyful. Like I had a joy guide that was just like you need to find more joy. You need to just have fun. And she was just like sparkly and she was just fun and she was like flitting all over the place all the time and and so that was another guide just for fun and joy so they can be big deals in your life like for big events or or things that are happening or they can just be little ones and then the akashic records i i say it's an energetic library so it's basically all of the thoughts emotions feelings actions events that have happened in this lifetime and all of your previous lifetimes and so there's a record of absolutely everything and so when something comes up for you uh, i can go into the records and be like okay is is there something that happened in a past lifetime that is triggering this for her at this point and is blocking her from moving forward and then I can kind of, they usually show just kind of a snippet of a past life and give me the feeling that I, of what has gone on as to what has happened. And then we can clear that. And then it won't feel like such a burden anymore. Like it won't feel like something that you have to keep doing or, or the, the way you keep um, repeating pattern. It's really good for pattern breaks and, and discovering those in order to release and let go of those kind of things. So That makes sense. Oh, and wow. one thing I will say, because people always get worried about this, spirit guides and your Akashic records will not show me anything that you wouldn't want me to know. So if there's something mm-hmm. in your life that you're, you know, you're very ashamed of or you did something bad or you are worried about all your secrets coming out, your spirit guides know what you want to reveal and what you don't so they will never reveal anything to me that you wouldn't be comfortable with me speaking about so i won't see every deep dark little secret that you've ever done in your life oh my gosh that's actually it's a great disclaimer because so that people don't feel like they're showing up exposed yeah well i know like, when i've oh gone to a psychic before i'm like oh my god she's gonna know every bad thing i've done she can see it in me <laughs> That's and so that's funny. not the way it happens. 
Right. It feels, I mean, in my experience with this type of energy, it's, it's very white light, very light and fun and it can get deep, of course, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's whatever shifts that we're open to, right? Like the person showing up, receiving, you know, whatever we open ourselves up to receive. What would you say to someone who's feeling still kind of unsure that this is quote unquote real? (laughs) Yeah. Every person in my belief on the planet has had some kind of experience like that where there's some kind of synchronicity or coincidence that we can't quite explain and there's or there's some sort of spiritual experience that we've had and a lot of times what is natural for us is just to look for reasons why was that or how could that have happened or the logic looking for the logic behind it and I think the the best thing in in my opinion to to do if you're having a uh, you know thinking mm, I don't know it's it could just hocus pocus or it's it's just that's what happens it's just take a second and kind of take a deep breath and breathe into the experience of what just transpired and just ask yourself well what was that about was this is this something more than I'm seeing right now does this have a greater purpose Am, am I just dreaming this up? And sometimes just taking a couple seconds just to pause and breathe into it and see if it really resonates inside. Does it really go into your inner knowing, into your gut feeling? No matter who you are, we've all talked about our gut instincts and our just our, our gut feelings. And so we all kind of have that 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 is a spiritual experience that is tapping into our intuition and so maybe just breathing into that and just noticing and just saying hmm i wonder interesting kind of just taking more of a curious approach to it instead of just dismissing it entirely maybe open up to that and what tends to happen even if we just open it up just a tiny hair and we just open ourselves up a little bit then we're going to see more and more and more of those special, beautiful experiences happen. We all love when that happens. It it connects us to something, or it just feels bigger, it feels magical, it feels cool, it feels interesting. So opening yourself up just to crack to be curious about it and, and see what happens from there. And just leave it at mm. that. And it will guaranteed it will flow and flow and there will be more of those things starting to happen and it will really start to I don't think you need proof you just feel it in your in your bones you feel it in your gut you feel it in your soul in your heart in in the goosebumps in the little hairs your body will tell you your body is very mm-hmm. smart and the, the energy around you will let you know what really is is happening or that there is something magical and why not open up to the magic i love that if i was gonna say that if you didn't so i yeah. love that you said that <laughs> which i think um yeah it does kind of enliven life and create uh, a sense of magic and i think also as we become more curious we, it then begs the question of 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 our our relationship with trust in ourselves, right? Like trusting that what we're feeling is, is solid, that we can trust our body, that we can trust our thoughts, that we can trust our feelings about things that occur. 
it's like the next step in noticing. So you notice these things, ask the questions, be open, be curious. And then the next step is maybe developing a relationship of trust with yourself in that, that as we develop that, what do you think? Absolutely. I think trust in ourselves when, when you say it and and you don't really overthink it, you think, well, of course I trust myself. It's myself. I know myself. But then when you actually really step back and think, do I trust myself? Have my actions shown that I've trust myself in the past? And most often, a lot of us would discover that we don't trust ourselves as much as we may have first thought. And so that goes into just having compassion for ourselves, empathy for ourselves, and really looking for that, that magic and, and wisdom inside of ourselves and tapping into that knowledge mm-hmm. in ourselves and, and starting that trusting process. Because if we can't trust ourselves, then what happens is we turn outward and we look outward for the answers. We look to others, we look for situations, we look for jobs, we look for houses, we look for everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And then we go, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know. Why can I find this? And, and we're looking, looking, looking because we don't trust what is being shown inside of ourselves and we're not looking inward and we don't just take a few moments just to still and ask ourselves ask our higher selves ask our our inner knowing whatever you want to call it our intuition our gut feeling it doesn't matter what you call it Mm -hmm. asking ourselves and our inner wisdom really because it's so easy to turn outward for answers and I did that for a lot of years I just I would always go to my sister and just say, tell me, tell me what to do. This, this, my son is doing this. What should I do? I I wouldn't even look into what felt right for me. And then a few times what started to happen is that it didn't turn out the way I wanted when I took those, those answers because they weren't right for me. They were right for her or right for whoever Mm -hmm. I asked or wherever I looked instead of just asking what feels right to me, what would be best for me. And then when we, the more we turn inward and the more we just give ourselves a chance to, to trust, to surrender, to believe mm-hmm. in what is coming from our own selves, then we can really, that trusting process really builds and builds quite quickly. And then that's where the confidence and the self-love really starts to happen. And we really start to exude that. And then people are noticing, wow, you've, you've changed wow you're you'll get you'll get comments on it that that will surprise you because it kind of happens when we don't even realize it it's it may seem like a quick process to other people when we've been maybe working on it for a while just quietly within ourselves but it's a beautiful thing just to look inside and say I don't need to ask somebody else what's best for me what what is best for me and then just taking a moment to breathe into that and just ask and Mm -hmm. see what answers come up and feel what your body is telling you is it does it feel light and expansive and exciting then that's more towards a yes a positive if it feels constrictive and heavy and hard and burdensome and, and you kind of feel yourself turning inward on yourself a little bit then that would that's your body telling you mm, that's that doesn't feel right to us. Let's try something different. Yeah, that's that's a really great way to 
start to understand what connecting with ourselves can feel like. I think like, mm-hmm. like we kind of mentioned earlier, is just this, this idea of like dismissing a lot of that stuff and being like, well, I don't know why I have a stomach ache. I just do today. But then when you mm-hmm. think about maybe, you know, you've got a long list of to do's and you're not super looking forward to those meetings and you're having, I mean, you know, if you start to connect the experiences you're having with the way you're feeling, your body does have a lot of knowledge for you that it's trying to share with you. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and maybe there's little changes that we can make to alleviate some of that. And also the, the idea of ownership, really, when we start to ask ourselves first, suddenly we take ownership of our experiences and in our life, ultimately, and the choices that we're making, rather than, for example, like you brought up your sister, I think we all do that, right? We all have moments like that, or maybe we do that often, or maybe there's a person in our life that we trust that we ask questions like that of. It's not that's not bad. It's just mm-hmm. um, understanding the difference between just taking it because they gave you the advice or, or considering it first, right? But doing that and then going, oh well, that didn't work, and then blaming them, for example. Not that you did this, but like, I know we all do that at some point in our life. Like, well, that didn't work. Why did you give me that bad advice? (laughs) It's like, it's, and we all do it, but it says, it's like when you can zoom out and look at it from another perspective and go, well, of course, like at the end of the day, you, the person taking that advice gets to choose whether you take that advice and whether you think it applies to your situation and your life and this moment of time and space. So really there's never anyone else to blame. Exactly. Yeah. And I think we tend to ask for help and just maybe blindly just do whatever they say, which is what I did because I trusted her, but then I would have a scapegoat if it didn't go right. Right. Then I had her to blame. I didn't have myself to blame. And then that goes back to just not trusting ourselves where we're not, even, we don't feel maybe safe to even listen to ourselves. So we have to give ourselves slow chances. I, I say courage is a muscle that we can build. And those mm-hmm. little acts of courage, those little acts of trust in our intuition and in our gut feeling will build upon that trust and will help us to gain the confidence to really start listening more and to be brave enough to ask ourselves more often and follow the advice and wisdom that we have inside. We have generations and generations and many past lives within ourselves and and our wisdom. It's been shown that intergenerational trauma can carry down from generations and so can wisdom. So mm-hmm. let's tap into what we what we know in ourselves and give ourselves so, a chance. So if if you're thinking right, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, oh my gosh, I have a big decision coming up and I don't know what to do. Start with little things. Maybe don't yeah. just jump to the massive issue or choice or problem that you're having. Start to trust the little tiny things. Put what do I want to eat this morning? What would be better for me? Or should I go for a walk or should I do yoga? Should I, you know, how many glasses of water and and think in your head, have a little dial in your head, how many glasses of water? And just (laughs) little things like that where you just slowly, slowly make choices or which one should I buy, this one or that. 
and then build upon that before just jumping into one of the big decisions because then what may happen is if it doesn't go the way you expect and you just jumped in blindly without really having that relationship with yourself it can it can do the opposite and maybe maybe harm that and then you'd be more worried about going back and trusting yourself again so it's it's like a child you wouldn't just throw them in the deep end of the pool you dip your toe in and you splash around a little bit and you know maybe stand in the shallow end for a little while before you start to swim in the deep water it's the same idea with your intuition and your inner knowing and just slowly build upon that yeah, don't traumatize yourself. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> out of this, out of out of the process, right? Yes, that's, please don't. <laughs> that's um, that's the form of self sabotage when we do things like that. So just we all do that yes, too yeah. at times in our lives, but it's something to be aware of and to be mindful of. And what you're describing does sound very mindful. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's taking it slow, looking at something that's in the moment that you can look at as a choice. Oftentimes we don't even look at those things as choices. We're just like, oh, this is just what I do every day. How did these habits become my life? I have no idea. And it's, it's about slowing down, being mindful and starting to look around and asking yourself where the choices are. And there's a lot more than we may realize and starting small is, is really good advice. So thank you for sharing all of that. I think that's a beautiful pathway of how somebody can get started and start reconnecting with their bodies or just noticing it more, um, whatever part of the process someone might be in with this kind of thing. So by doing this work, the work that you're doing now, what is it that you most want for people? What do you want them to experience or what do you just want for them as you, as you do this kind of work? I want them to really understand and be aware and curious of their own healing journeys. What does that look like for them? For years, I didn't think I needed to heal at all. I thought I was fine. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I'm getting through the day. I'm fine. And being aware and curious and finding the the fun and the magic again. Spirituality doesn't have to be just crystals and tarot cards. And you can be spiritual without doing any of the, the so-called spiritual paraphernalia that's that's out there. It's as easy as looking inward. So I would love people just to start to be curious. What is happening around me? What is happening inside me? What is my body telling me? What wisdom do I already have inside me? And really kind of steering to what is right for them. Instead of looking for somebody to give them the answers, to looking for a guru or the magical book that's going to solve all their problems or whatever it is, instead of looking for the solutions outward, come inside. And there's so much magic and beauty inside of us and so much knowing. And once we really get to know ourselves, we can be better parents, better friends, better coworkers, better citizens. And it's just a sense of calm. Going from anxiety, which I didn't think I had anxiety, I was like, I'm confident. I've always been confident. And then going from that to understanding what calm actually is and not having that that daily anxious worry about even having to call to make an appointment somewhere would, would just give me a little... I would still do it, but it would be uncomfortable. Those tiny little things, when when they're gone, then we really realize, wow, I didn't 
realize at what a high level I was just living on an anxious frequency for so long. And just that calm and peace of just being comfortable in ourselves and comfortable in the world and feeling some joy and magic and curiosity about life and seeing the beauty when we go for a walk. Wow, look at those clouds. Wow, look at the those rocks. Oh, there's a heart-shaped leaf. There's a like little things like that, taking beauty in that. And it's really just about our own inner healing journeys and our own acknowledgement of ourselves and getting to know ourselves. And then that extends outward to all of humanity and and our energetic beings around us. Wow. It does feel very practical when you share it that way, that it's really about uh, getting to know ourselves, like Mm -hmm. starting there and just being curious about, you know, whatever we want to start with, but small. Yes, exactly. We all want the, just the one thing. Just give me that one pill and it'll, you know, make all my problems go away. Give me that one book and I'll read it and it'll just change everything. But the the wisdom is inside and we already have all the answers. We just have to tune into them and into ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's what spirituality is to me. I love all the crystals. I love all the incense and the cards and the all, all of the fun stuff too. But the essence of spirituality is just looking inward, realizing the magic and spirit that's all around us and the connectedness that we can feel to something bigger than ourselves is truly what the essence of spirituality is to me. And that's why I want to normalize it because it doesn't have to be woo-woo crazy. And I have these woo-woo Wednesdays, I call them, and I do Facebook Lives about different you know topics that I want to talk about. But it's, it's sort of being cheeky because woo-woo can can mean a lot of things to different people but it's just sort of fun and I think it's just really about getting to know ourselves and and finding out what works for us take the tools that resonate leave the ones that don't easy as that it's a fun place to go with life from from a place of just curiosity and awareness be aware that you're being curious and be curious about being aware and Mm. go from there that's a good one yeah, we should put that on a wall somewhere. Or right? Something and do that. That's a good one. I think, well, that's one of my takeaways, I think. And then being curious, of course. I love that. It, it really opens things up on in so many levels when we can approach things from a place of curiosity and do what feels good or find what feels good or see what feels good. Like leading from that place is mm-hmm. one of my takeaways too. Is there anything that you want people to understand about this conversation today just that we we all have our own path to healing to love to connectedness to spirituality all of spirituality is fluid it's there's no right way there's no wrong way there's just your way and whatever feels good to you that's your sense of spirituality if that's going to church awesome if that gives you a, a good feeling and you love it and you have a great community, I'm super happy for you. I love that. If that doesn't feel right for you, that doesn't resonate with you, and you love all the the crystals and the incense and the and all of that, then great. If your sense of spirituality is just being out in nature 
and sitting outside, going for a walk, fishing, whatever it is, whatever that is for you, we all have our own path to spirituality and it's just finding our own paths and there is no one way that's right for everyone. Just find your way and don't apologize for it. Just if it resonates for you, just just do it. Be like Nike, just do it. <laughs> There's a reason that slogan has been so good because it's it's true. Just do it. Just go for it. Why not? Do your thing. Do what feels right for you. And don't try and follow a path. Just follow your path because somebody else's path is not yours. And it's not going to feel right eventually either. So just make your own. You can truly be bold and begin your path. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Yes. It's what the show is about. It's about being, you know, finding the courage and being bold and doing it anyway and and trusting yourself that you can start whatever that looks like to you. And and so I love that you you shared it that way because to me that resonates because it's what I do all of this for is to kind of come to that kind of message wherever and whenever we can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I could ask another hour's worth of questions. <laughs> and I can talk, I, talk, talk, talk. But so. I won't. <laughs> I have so many more. But uh, maybe we'll just have to have you on for a part two. But um, Exactly. Uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to close and, and ask you just what you're working on now and how we can connect with you. Yeah. So you can connect with me. Facebook, I'm the most active. Um, I post on my page and, and do the Spirit Speaks and all of that. Lindsay the Grateful. My Instagram is of the same name. Um, events and things are, are mostly posted on my Facebook. My website is lindsayreiling.com. And that's a R-E-I, <laughs> Reiling. And I, I, I'm not as great about updating that. I'm, I'm the best at Facebook. So if you really want to know uh, what's the best and the easiest is my Facebook page. I do group healings every month and one-on-one sessions are, are ongoing. We just find a time that works and it can be Zoom or in-person, doesn't matter. And then I have a, um, probably when this airs, it'll probably be over, but I'm sure I'll do another one is uh, connecting with spirit, learning how to create a spiritual relationship with your loved ones who have passed. So learning how to ask for, receive signs, and how to connect with your loved ones who have passed on and create a spiritual relationship with them going forward. Oh my gosh, so much wonderful things. Thank you for sharing your story and and all of the the things that you've learned and where you're at now. And there's just so many wonderful grateful things oh thank thank you you, Lindsay. (laughs) thanks for joining me (laughs) of course thanks for having me this is this is really fun i really enjoyed it thank you for listening to people begin we hope that these episodes are helping inspire and empower you to take your next steps towards whatever you're thinking of creating And if you want more tools, resources, and techniques for your creative process and to connect with me directly, then I'd love to invite you to our Unleash Creative Community. Just follow the link in the show notes and I'll look forward to meeting you there. Happy creating.